1: esports big orange podcast i am charlie that is zach reagan wherever you listen throughout the world we thank you so much for listening to us zach and i talk everything balls every week here on the big orange podcast and if that's something that you want to listen to on the regular go over to the a to z sports podcast network feed on apple and spotify when you get there rate review but most importantly subscribe to the show because if you do you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. It is not Monday now, but that's because of Christmas. Uh, it is Thursday, but regardless, it? our it's it all. Yeah, I'm kind of lost in terms of what day. Very It Does it really matter? Because New Year's still has to hit. But regardless, it is actually a Thursday for for anybody that maybe has like a job they were supposed to go to. By the way, it's still the middle of the week. You might want to check your days there. Um, go to YouTube. When we're live, as we are right now at this very moment at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Mondays. Uh, and you can be a part of the show. You can tune in. You can comment. We love going back and forth with everybody that comments, that watches. It's a ton of fun. A to Z Sports Natural YouTube channel. And you can watch the show and be a part of the show. It's a ton of fun. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Yada, yada, yada. At Charlie underscore verse. Add Zach TNT. Add A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National And A to Z Sports.com everything that Zach writes on ye old internet. Man, we, we put this show off until Thursday just because that's the way stuff fell. I just had stuff to do until now with the holiday and all the traveling and everything that you got to do. It's everybody knows we all do it. Um, and the timing could not have been more perfect because yesterday around 10 a.m. on would have been the December twenty-seventh, we got the news that everyone has been waiting for. It is the Nico Iamaliava era at Tennessee. He will be your starting quarterback in the Citrus Bowl. Obviously, we're gonna cover all of that tonight. What's up, Zach?
0: Man, yeah, I didn't uh didn't think we'd actually be talking about this <laughs> a couple of days no, really before the bowl didn't game. Care. I and even when the you know it started trending this way over the last few days before christmas around christmas and i still was like i don't know this feels like a setup uh, it doesn't feel real like we're gonna have the road pulled out from under us but here we are it's 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 exciting uh, we're gonna all be watching this bowl game anyway but it, it just took everything up a few notches i feel like knowing that we're finally gonna get to see nico in that starting role and see him as the guy out there leading the team. I'm, I'm excited to see him in that role just as much as I am to see kind of what he does on the field.
1: Yeah. It's just, it, it ratcheted everything up 10 levels as far as this bowl game goes. Cause I think a lot of people were just kind of like, well, you know, eh, it's Iowa. It's probably going to be a boring game and the score, you know, if Tennessee wins, the score is going to be like 19 to 16, you know, something atrocious like that. And so, uh, you know there wasn't a ton of excitement, and then suddenly, the the Nico era is is here. It is his time. Um, and uh, well, let's let's honestly let's go ahead. Let's get into it because uh, that is going to be the full thrust of the show. Obviously, Nico. Maybe uh, let's talk about the defense some because the defense could be a completely new look. Uh, let's just preview the bowl game in full. Maybe we'll talk about the the college football playoff too, and and kind of what's going on there and what we think might uh, might unfold. And we'll talk about it all right after I tell you about our first great sponsor. And that is better help. If you are a Tennessee fan like myself and Zach, you know, how many years the big orange have shaved off your life with the emotional roller coaster of college sports, or maybe the roller coaster of life is messing with your happiness, preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless, if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human being going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a different way, and that is where BetterHelp comes into play. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be hard, especially when you're limited to just the options in your area. BetterHelp's platform makes finding a therapist easier because it is online and remote. And BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. Plus, with our link, betterhelp.com slash ATOZ sports, you get 10% off your first month. So see a therapist because maintaining your mental health is just as important as maintaining your physical health. So this football season, check out BetterHelp.com/slash/atozsports/atozsports and save ten percent on your first month with BetterHelp. Big thank you to them. I got a I got a graphic this week for BetterHelp. Uh, so that's nice. I was missing one last week. So as I said on Wednesday, ten a.m. there there wasn't the announcement that uh, that it's Nico time in Tennessee. It was first the announcement that uh, Joe Milton. And his time at Tennessee was coming to a close. He was going to be opting out of the bowl game, and that's kind of the thing that makes this a little awkward. Let's be completely honest here, and and I think I I think most Tennessee fans, this is the feeling. You watched Joe Milton this entire year, and you went, "Thank you for your service. That could have been better." Yeah, you know, hey. I, I wish, I I really like you a lot. Joe's great. He's super loyal to Tennessee. That's amazing. I wish he was better playing quarterback for Tennessee. Like, it's this kind of like weird mixed feeling around Joe where you didn't feel like the offense was being completely maximized. While at the same time, you look at him and you look at what he meant to Tennessee and you go like, what an awesome guy. Is it Genuinely, 100%. It's this weird conflicting feeling because he has been so Loyal and sat behind Hinden. Got, well, first started, got his spot taken by Hinden, sat behind Hinden, put in his time, finally got that starting spot. And then for the season, was it terrible, off the tracks bad? Absolutely not. He won eight games. It was one of the better seasons of the last 15 years for Tennessee football. Let's put put that into perspective. Um, But it wasn't Hinden Hooker. And it just, you had that expectation in your mind. Joe has this crazy physical ability and it never got there. And by the time this bowl game rolled around, the Joe got you to, I mean, obviously he was a part of getting to the citrus bowl. Just, you could, all of the fans were just kind of like, let's, let's move on. And you have to wonder, this is kind of a different conversation, but you have to wonder, was the staff also in that group too? Kind of being like, yeah, maybe we need to scoot right along and and get to the Nico air. I don't know, but that's, that is what came first. I don't know if you have thoughts on, on Joe there before we, dive into Nico here but uh that was the precursor to Nico
0: I mean the more I thought about it the more I felt like it was the obvious choice for him to make you know before he made his decision and and even then I still my gut thought that he was not going to to opt out I thought he would play just because of you know kind of the way he's carried himself at Tennessee and what Florida means to him but from a business standpoint I think we talked about this a little last week his best chance to get drafted or, or to to shoot up in the draft a little bit, maybe to the middle rounds, is to have an incredible combine. He has the physical abilities. Go out there and run, wow with your throws and and all the physical parts of the combine. You know, let these teams meet with you, get to know you. All that stuff is just too much to to risk for a bowl game against Iowa, where even if you play well against their defense, it's not like. Yeah, I, I really didn't think he was gonna help or hurt his draft stock in this game against Iowa. If he doesn't play great, I mean it's one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah, even if you have a great game, it's like well, okay, where well, there's still all these questions from from in the season about your development and all this. So the combine was always kind of the best path forward for him. I don't I don't think the staff was in his ear necessarily. I mean, Josh Heipel said this week that, you know, early on they thought Joe was gonna play in the Citrus Bowl. I think they were gonna let him have that I don't think they're sad that this is the way it's happening I know there's personal relationships there of course but I think for you know for the program to move forward especially into next season this is an important game for Nico to start you don't want him starting kind of from from day one next season with his first career start uh you know a couple weeks before you play NC State a power five team and then get into the SEC schedule it's just makes more sense for him to to start in this game so I, I it just it's the scenario that makes the most sense for everybody involved, I think. And most of the time, it feels like that's not what happens, especially with Tennessee football. So it's it's kind of nice to see these things kind of falling into place as they should. I mean, this is what winning programs do. It's kind of how they handle their business. You see tons of, of true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, starting in some of these bowl games, getting a head start on next season. Tennessee would just be falling behind if they didn't kind of follow that trend.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh... It's kind of the best of all worlds, I think, because Joe, I don't want to say he saves face. It would have been completely fine for him to play in this bowl game and it would have been understandable in his hometown and uh, and and all of these things where he could have finished out his career. But you also look back and that that Vanderbilt game is probably the best game of his career. And he can go out on that and say that that was my time. It was senior day. I played the best game of my career. Peace out, please. And thank you. And and that can be it, and it kind of wraps it wraps his time up nicely. Like I said, it you know winning this game would not have gotten fans to be like Joe's Joe's the best. Like he, it wouldn't have flipped any opinion there at all. To your point, it would not have flipped NFL opinions. I don't think it would have just kind of been a moot point as far as he goes. It would have just been like, oh, that was a nice ball win. That's good, and that that would have been uh, about it. If Joe had chosen to play, I'm with you. I I was like when <laughs> I. The that Joe was gonna opt out his full game, specifically because it was in his hometown. I really thought he was gonna play. And uh and it kind of surprises me there. But I man, I just I gotta think for being completely honest. Josh Hypel, when when Joe made this decision, I just feel like Hypel had to just be like, Oh, thank goodness. Had <laughs> to just be like, whoo it's any any kind of crisis averted because it's it felt like there was this expectation building. Of being like, even if Joe plays, you gotta play this guy. You gotta put Nico in this Mm -hmm. football game. That that was the building expectation. And I mean, you gotta think if there's big money people that were a part of that eight million dollar deal or whatever was the reality of the situation there with what got Nico to come to Tennessee. uh, You gotta think they're kind of like, hey, buddy, it's it's time. You know, it's time to to get to get a move on here and and let's see uh see what we got in our in our five star, you know, mega mega recruit here. And so that that's got to be a relief on hype. I just got to think whether they pushed or pulled any any which way there, you know, it's all just speculation to say that anyway. Um but that <laughs> that's got to be a relief cuz I you also heard kind of rumblings that it was like if if hype pulled the plug on Milton, it would cause a little bit of uh like consternation with the team and, and maybe they, they wouldn't have liked that because a lot of, I mean, Joe Milton is very well liked and, and so I, it's, it's good for everybody. I, you, I think ultimately that's nice. The way it you see
0: out. this, this comment here from VOLS, uh, make a shout out to KSR. I don't, have you seen all that on, on Twitter?
1: I think so. Cause I think I retweeted it.
0: Yeah. One of the, the uh, KSR Good guy fun. said that, that Joe Milton opted out of the uh, bowl game because he was afraid to face the Iowa defense, which obviously not true after playing in the SEC, but the kicker yeah. to all that is that Will Levis opted out last season in their bowl game against Iowa.
1: Like, like, Iowa. Like, Come on. Like, dude, you got to think about that for two seconds. and just be like, okay, maybe I'm not going to take this.
0: And Joe and Milton be- beat Kentucky on the road. I mean, you have that too.
1: It, I mean, come on. Will less never beat Tennessee? Joe Milton literally beat Kentucky at Kentucky this year. Give me the biggest break, boys. Like, come on, you're you're better than this. Maybe uh, no, honestly, they might not be. <laughs> uh man, I mean, There's already uh plenty plenty of comments here. It says it's Nico time. Yes, sir, it is <laughs> Vols it says. Turns Joe Milton has a hard time making decisions both on and off field.
0: He did kind wait until the last second. I, I mean, uh, cool. that, that had to be by design to some extent. We saw the, the video of the Iowa games, player who learned right after their practice yesterday that that the freshman's starting, and it, he caught him totally off guard. And He's like, you know, we haven't really watched much film of Nico, which, to be fair, there is not a lot of film. You're still going to watch the the Joe Milton film and, and what the offense has done all season, but it's a different threat you're preparing for uh, with Nico. So I think... For sure, there's some gamesmanship with the announcement. I mean, Nico's been preparing as yes. the starter for a week now, since kind of a, around the early signing period. So Tennessee's known about this for seven, eight days. Uh, there was just no reason for hypo to let everyone else know about it until now.
1: I I agree. I I think it all. I mean, even even that choice. I think if it was completely conscious and there was gamesmanship there, I think that's that's a great choice. Make them prepare for the guy that's been playing for you all season long, and then throw in this guy that they have no tape on, and and that they know is a dynamic playmaker. I I think it's that's a really exciting fold in all of this. Uh, but uh, Jesse in the comments says, "Go Vols, go Vols!" <laughs> Welcome to Florida. Thankfully, I'm I'm not in Florida. I guess I wouldn't mind going to the game but I don't want to be in Florida. any the rest of the time. James says, what's up? What's up? Uh, and then I, I wanted to get to this one. Charles, he says, we're going to see how good Nico is. Uh, he will be going against the second ranked defense in Iowa. So here's the thing to talk about with Nico. So obviously it is his time, the $8 million man or whatever actually happened there. Um, and and Joe passes the torch. He's been learning under Joe. He mentioned that in his press conference. They let Nico do a media session, and and he really emphasized that he he has Joe kind of brought him under his wing, and has been working with Nico. And you got to think he's he has been with this team. If I'm thinking correctly, correct me if I'm wrong here, Zach. Since last set of bowl practices,
0: yeah, before the Orange a, Bowl last year, yeah, yes, he he was it in those be bowl be practices. A sophomore at this point.
1: Yes, so you're talking a full-blown year that he has been with this team, learning from Heupel, learning from Joe Milton, just seeing the system, I guess, back then with those bowl practices, Hinden would have still been around, so he's even hung out with Hendon. Um, And so I, I I look at this setup, and it's really a win all the way around. Because if he goes out there and he puts up a little bit of a flop of a game, You know, just isn't that good. Maybe throws multiple interceptions or something and just isn't super sharp. You can go, hey, first start ever. And that it's that might be a little bit of meltdown mode from the hysteric, you know, the hysterical people. But ultimately, I think when you really think through it, you could just be like, hey, it's his first full starting football game at the college level ever. Eh, that's whatever. But then you, you break it down. If he has a really good game, the hype is going to be completely off the charts this coming season. That's going to be wild. And I really hope that that happens for his sake, for everybody's sake. <laughs> It'll be a better offseason if that happens. Um, But I, I genuinely think he's had time now. Because we said it all season long when people were like, oh, let's just replace Joe. Let's put Nico in. Let's put Nico in. We said all season, we were just like, you don't want to go trial by fire here. You don't want to throw this guy into the deep end at Alabama. That's a terrible decision in this swamp. You know, that is just not the way you want this dude's career to go. And I like this neutral site. It's not going to be super hostile. In fact, I'm going to bet it's going to be probably 60, 70% Tennessee fans, if not more, honestly. And, and it's, you know, neutral site, kind of away from both schools, and it's not going to be overly loud one way or another, and just kind of a good environment for him to learn in and create a base for how he feels with this team. I think it's a great setup. I, I don't know how you feel about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, win or lose, uh, obviously, you want to win the game. And Josh Hypo's made that clear. It's going to take everybody on that field, not just Nico, because you're going to have a lot of young players playing at some positions, running back. Not sure if the offensive line's going to look like totally yet. Hypo kind of said they're healthy, but we'll see. You know, there's more gamesmanship there. But win or lose this game. It's so huge for the development of Nico. I mean, you need this game film, uh, especially against this type of defense, which we'll get into later. It's just exactly the type of of experience that he needs going into next season. So he's going to learn a lot uh, playing against Iowa. Uh, Whether he goes out there and lights them up, Throws a couple of interceptions, doesn't have a great game. Whatever it is, whatever happens, just getting all this on tape is huge for the the development of him as a player, and and you know going into next season. So it's everything about it is as good as it could set up for his first career start.
1: I agree one one hundred percent. It it's just a nice kind of entree into college football instead of just here you go SEC football. You know, just the, the biggest, baddest dudes in this game, and you got to go play them in your first start ever. Now, to, to the point in the comment there, yeah, Iowa is no pushover. Uh, I don't think they're known as kind of a bum rush, you know, sacking guys six times a game sort of a team, which I – that's good, but they are really just fundamentally sound. They don't give up much, period. Um Obviously, you're not gonna have Jalen Wright, which that's that's big. Dylan Sampson could be an absolute dog. Cam Seldon seems like he has a ton of talent and and just needs to be given the opportunity, uh, and he's finally gonna get it here, I think. At least more mm-hmm. of an opportunity than he has during the regular season. Um, but you're you're not gonna have your your Jabari Small, Jalen Wright duo, and then you know D- Dylan Sampson again can be really good, but like J- Jalen Wright was a certified dog. He was awesome when you handed him the football. And you're not gonna have that to lean on
0: Small big, big loss with pass protection. I mean, it is Small was so true. good, so good in yes. pass protection. And Samson's improved, but he, he's had some moments there. So you're gonna have Samson has to take a big step. Selden, like you mentioned, and Khalifa Keith is probably gonna play in this game quite a bit yeah. too, because they like to rotate three guys. It's a lot of youth there, you know, especially in pass protection for your true freshman quarterback. <sighs>
1: I, I really wish Dante Thornton could get back
0: yeah
1: uh that's th- that was tough because i I guess it was a high ankle sprain but Mm-mm. those can be those can be pretty brutal and you probably i I would say save it up for next year at at the end of the day oh
0: and he probably didn't have the tightrope surgery because it's not like you're trying to get back for a playoff game yeah. or something like that so there was really no point in pushing it with him
1: exactly I, it's I mean, I, I pretty much agree with what Davey here in the comments. It says, regardless if we win or lose, we're already winning by starting Nico, GBO, GBO. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I I just think almost no matter how this goes, this is good for Tennessee. And then <laughs> pat myself on the back. Davey says, great content as always. Thank you, Davey. I appreciate the compliment. But um, it, yeah, it, it is just, it's a good situation for Tennessee. And if, let's say this, if Hypo was being resistant, to to starting Nico because it felt that way like all season because there were exact moments the UTSA game the Vandy game you know a few of these where you were just like why is Joe still in this football game
0: what what are we
1: doing let's let's get this young man in here so we could see what he can do like it seemed very intentional that at, at certain points, whether it was or not, I mean, I'm, I'm ascribing something to Heupel that I don't necessarily know that he was doing, but it felt that way. Where you were watching, you were just like, "But why? Why is your starting quarterback still in this football game? If for nothing else other than the risk of him getting injured, uh, you know, let let your your backups get in there." Um, and so now maybe if Heupel. I I don't know. Surely he he was wanting Nico to get in there, but if he wasn't, here you go, forcing his hand. You got to do it, and and I'm I'm really happy about that. And this is a good comment from Todd here. He says this is really a preview of next year's offense, in some sense. Hopefully Brew comes back, and and Thornton, and then obviously you're going to get uh, the the transfer. Uh, yeah, Chris Brazel. And and there's gonna be different pieces, but the offensive line, this is basically the offensive line for next year. It, that's uh nearly a, exactly what it's gonna be. And and I think it's it's really uh it's really a good snapshot of what you're gonna get next year. Kind of how it was last year in the orange bowl, ultimately. And so that's that's another nice element of this.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and when it comes to hypo to and Nico, I think it, it did feel like there were opportunities where maybe Nico could have played during the regular season, but at the same time I think Hypo kinda had his plan. He stuck to it. I don't think it was out of stubbornness because I don't I don't think this team was more than eight or nine wins. I mean, there was Cooper Mays being out, wide receivers did not play up to to, to the standard of last year's team. There's a lot of times they weren't helping Joe out. This was an eight or nine win team pretty much all along. But Hypo didn't panic. We've seen it with Butch, you know, when he was the head coach, kind of that, you know, dance with quarterbacks that he would do when he set Worley and started Peterman on the road against Florida and then let Dobbs finish the season and go back to Worley and try Peterman again and finally settle on Dobbs again. And the quarterback carousel that Jeremy Pruitt always had going on that would eventually go back to Garantano, but you'd have Maurer or Crist or whoever, you know, from time to time. Uh, It just felt so much more structured and in place these last couple of years. Like, there wasn't this bouncing around kind of uncertainty. So, you know, it would have been nice. And I'm sure some of those games that you wanted to be blowouts that weren't blowouts, like the Austin P game, for example. I mean, I'm sure the plan was to get Nico in some of those games and it just didn't really work out. Uh, You know, I'm okay with, with most of that from Hypo. I think it kind of played out. Eventually, the way he wanted it to play out with with Joe opting out of this bowl game. Obviously, he'd love to, you know, beat Missouri, beat Florida, and and be playing in a different bowl game. Maybe Joe plays if it's a New Year's Six bowl or something like last season, but yeah, offense considered.
1: Funny side note I saw this on Twitter, but this is just because you brought up his name. Keller Christ (laughs) is uh, an offensive analyst for Iowa. Ironically, he is on Iowa's staff. And
0: that's, you know, that, 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 goes into a deep Iowa storyline too is they're looking for you know a new coordinator. coordinator and Paul Christ yeah. has been a name that's been mentioned who is Keller Christ's uncle so <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot there too it's it's kind of an odd connection between the two programs
1: and funny side story at uh, at the one spring game that I think Keller Christ played in at Tennessee I sat directly behind his family uh at that spring game and talked to them for a whole chunk of that spring game they're like, "Oh, that's our son out there." Oh my god. Bye, bye, bye. And I I'll always remember that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was about all you remember of the Keller Chris <laughs> yeah. era because it was very not, not forgettable many, yeah. otherwise.
1: That was the whole era. I experienced yep. the entire thing that day.
0: <laughs> I think he led like a scoring drive against Alabama and we were all like, "This is this could be the guy." But that was it. Finally. There was, there was nothing else that happened. <laughs> Keller Chris man, what a blast
1: from the past. Uh but I yes, all all the way around. I think it's a really good good thing, a nice preview uh, into next season. And I, this, in terms of, let's make this kind of last thing because we do have we have more to talk about. But uh, as far as Nico goes, I like this question from Wrecked. He says, "I think having Nico in the game opens the door for more plays to be drawn up," and I I would. Though so do you do you think that's true, Zach? Because I, if if all of the reports are true from practice and things like that, you know, and and just what we've seen in the spring game and in his short time playing, more touch on the ball. He's much more slippery, uh, in in terms of trying to run and and do something with uh, broken down plays, and. Does it actually open the door there more, or are they going to just be conservative and be like, "It's a freshman, keep it close to the vest"? What What do you think?
0: I think that. Do you, you want to get into a conversation here about the defense?
1: Uh, In just and, right after this, yeah. Well, this
0: kind of plays into that whole, sure, that whole conversation. So let's save that for the uh, the defensive talk okay. here coming up. Pretty well, because it's a it's a whole encompassing answer, and it, it's kind of hard to talk about without getting into Iowa's defense. Well, perfect. Let's let's do go to go to this next
1: segment. We we have bills to play and sponsors that uh, that you know want their stuff talked about. So let's let's start with this. I I do have also one more question about Joe before we can completely move on. Also, uh, and we'll talk about those last couple of things about Joe and Nico right after I tell you about Zen Sports. We've been talking about Zen Sports all season long, the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee, but we have more big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you'll receive up to a $1,000 no danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum if the bet loses. But there's even more good news. Zen Sports has their new VIP rewards program. The, <coughs> the VIP program will allow top tier customers to earn even more bonuses, comps and perks, but it is by invite only. So if you feel that your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, check out the program at ZinSports.com VIP no other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals like Zin Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going. Download their app at ZinSports.com. Today, Zin Sports betting just got better. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. And they, they had this promo earlier today. Here it is uh, right here. They, they tweeted it out. Make a $50 straight bet on Thursday night football, Jets versus Browns. And if the bet loses, get a $25 no danger first wager on the Cowboys versus Lions. So your first straight bet on the game only counts towards the promo, one per customer, and allow 24 hours to credit your account. So that's just for tonight. Um, for anybody that's watching live, get in there. stick, uh, Get your promo bet in on Thursday night football. Shout out to them. Oh, that's not our <laughs> – that's a different graphic. Maybe producer Matt can join us there. Um, Okay, so this was the last thing with with Joe to finish out that conversation. Then we'll get to Nico and the defense. Um, uh, it was a comment here. Let me find it Uh, uh, because I want to give everybody their their flowers here. Vols, we've read a few of his comments tonight already. He said, "Does Joe Milton ever play in the NFL?" In all reality, that's kind of to wrap up that conversation about. Joe and him saying that he's going to prepare for the NFL. Where do you think he, he falls? I think he'll get drafted. I just, I'm not sure where, I mean, he's a physical freak. The potential's there.
0: Yeah. I think he's going to be drafted. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to say right now where he'll, where he will be drafted because the combine is going to impact that a ton. And we'll see how everybody reacts to the combine and all the little reports that come out from how his interviews went and and stuff like that, the senior bowl as well that he's participating in, all that stuff will play a huge part in his draft stock, which is why it was so important that he does not get hurt in the Citrus Bowl because that's going to be key for him. I think he ends up on a roster, but then he's going to have to fight his way up a depth chart and get a chance. He's going to have to play well in preseason action in some of those games where it's the third and fourth string out there. Guys that know they're not making the team, and it's kind of hard to shine in those moments. So, you know, everybody, it seems like, eventually gets their chance. You stick in the NFL long enough, there aren't that many quarterbacks to go around. I mean, it, it took Josh Dobbs seven, six, seven seasons, but he finally got a chance to go out there and start some games. Nathan Peterman has got a chance to, to start several games on, on Buffalo and Chicago. I think Joe Milton's better than Nathan Peterman, at least what I've saw of them in college. So it seems like, yeah, Milton's eventually going to maybe get a chance. I don't know where it takes him. I, I'm not counting on him as a, a can't-miss prospect. Uh, truthfully, I, I'd be surprised if he ended up being anything more than, you know, second, third on a depth chart. Uh, that would kind of maybe practice squad bouncing around. It's just – it's it's tough to make it in the NFL and – You know, we'll see. It'd be interesting if somebody keeps him on the roster just for like some Hail Mary situations, because we've seen several situations where teams need a 70 yard bomb you know, from the 30 yard line. Somebody get into the end zone and not many people can do that. That would be an interesting thing. You know, does he get a roster spot because of that capability?
1: Yeah, I I think he's such a like over the top physical specimen where he just so big, so strong. I surely there's got to be something he could carve out there, and and worst case scenario, if you know you work hard enough, one of the best jobs in the world is a backup QB on an NFL team. None Just of the being responsibility. A quarterback in
0: the NFL, even if you're not yeah. starting, is such an incredible accomplishment. Oh. I know people throw shade at third string quarterbacks, but you're one of the, you know, what 96 top quarterbacks in yeah. professional sports if you're on that roster. And
1: and none of the responsibility and all of the paycheck.
0: I mean, you don't you don't get uh,
1: thirty million bucks or whatever, but you get like a million bucks to yeah. sit there and do nothing. <laughs> that's that's a job I could deal with, I uh, personally. But um, yeah, it's I I I I'll put it this way to put a bow on that. I'm really really rooting for him. I hope he finds uh a spot and that that it works out for him. But let's finish the 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 Nico conversation talk about the defense some because defense gonna be completely new look in this bowl game but I like this as as kind of a starting point Chris says has Nico been taking reps with the ones this entire time or was Joe leaving a new development that was kind of how the news started coming out at least from what I saw was that it was sort of like so Nico's taking a lot of first team snaps and there was kind of this like rumor just like swirling around and then it Slowly turned into, oh, Joe's opting out. Nico's your guy now, um, and and that's I again really glad that that's the way that it worked out. But uh, to to move into that conversation about Nico, let's well, I'll I'll just throw it to you, Zach. The question that we had was, does Nico now working with the ones being your starting guy? knowing the talent that he has, does that open up the playbook? Were they not able to do as much with Joe Milton at quarterback? And, and what does that mean for Tennessee if he has this expanded skill set?
0: Yeah, I think next season, moving into that, the playbook will will be more like 2022. I think Joey Hosley having a, a year under his belt, even if Josh Heupel's mainly calling the plays, the way that communication goes, what they're seeing from up top, I think he'll be more in the groove with that. So I think all that will be a lot smoother. I think Nico's skill set allows the playbook to be opened up a lot. There's so many different things he can do in the run game. Where, I mean, yeah, Milton had some speed and had some big runs, but we didn't see the same elusiveness like that we saw from Hendon Hooker. We've talked about that before. Nico seems to have that in the limited times that we've seen him play. So I do think all of that will look much different in 2024. I don't think it'll look much different at all in the Citrus Bowl. So if you're going into this game and you're expecting the offense to be high-flying and kind of look more like it did in 2022 with all these interesting wrinkles, and there still could be some wrinkles. it's a different player, but it's not going to be totally different. It's going to be a lot of what we've seen this year, and that's really because it's what makes sense against Iowa. The game plan against Iowa calls for a kind of vanilla take what the defense gives you type of game plan because of the way they play. They play a lot of zone coverage, which is something that can get young quarterbacks in, in trouble because your eyes might not be in the right place. You might not see a safety. You know, it, it got Joe Milton a couple of times. Some cover two and cover three looks. Iowa's a quarters defense. They're going to play those safeties back. Their safeties are kind of the, the, the players in their defense where that's what Nico's going to have to read. They're the guys playing run pass every down. You're going to have to basically guess and read what they're doing based on where – and that's going to determine where you go with the ball. Because of the wide splits, you're probably going to see a lot of these screens out in the perimeter, a lot of these quick outs to receivers in the perimeter because that's a way to get four or five yards almost every down if you execute, maybe more, you know, if you block well. Um, Iowa's tough to run against. They only gave up 120-plus yard run all season. Tennessee the way they spread it out we'll, we'll have a better chance to do that but I just think I think throwing those passes out to the perimeter you kind of keep Nico out of trouble there possessions are going to be at a premium in this game you know Iowa likes to sit on the ball they're going to try to run as much clock off as possible they're going to huddle they're going to run the play clock all the way down they're going to try to pick up 3 4 yards every single play and really drag this thing out and you know, Tennessee might get some three and outs and get the ball back quickly, but you're not going to be able to, you can't afford to to waste possessions in this game. And I think Josh Heupel knows that. I think he said, you know, yesterday when he spoke to the media, you know, look, picking up positive yardage on first and second down is going to be critical in this game. So you're not in these third and long situations. So if you're looking for a deep shot on first down, it's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen on second down either, unless it's just there and you really, you know, it's a second and three maybe. And you feel comfortable taking that shot downfield because you like your chances on third and three. For the most part, they're just going to try to take what Iowa gives them, which Iowa, you know, they're not going to play a lot of man coverage if at all. They might try to make it look like that. They'll they'll do some zone blitzes there where they try to get to Nico, which again makes those quick, you know, those plays to get the ball out of his hand quickly and to the perimeter away from the middle of the field even more important. So just. The way this game sets up, the playbook almost has to be kind of vanilla, in what we've seen all season. So it's not. I think when people see that, they're gonna be like, "Oh, nothing's changed at all." But it, it's more a product of this is Iowa. This is how you go beat Iowa. You're gonna have to play that game. That's why I think it'll that'll be what we'll see.
1: Yeah, i th- I think it's it's what should work in this game. I think it's the best way to get his to get Nico's feet under him. Is to keep it simple, um, and and so I I think they're they're gonna just do what this offense does best and and play the hits, <laughs> so, you know. And what I what I think could be different, genuinely, is I, I think we said this after the spring game. Like Nico made that throw in the spring game to uh, to Ethan Davis that was just really impressive. Dropped it right in the bread basket, just really beautiful. And I remember saying, hmm. That is a throw that Joe Milton can't make. Period. Like Joe Milton does not have that. He doesn't have that in the bag. Uh, and or if he does, I've I've still never seen it <laughs> to this exact day. We went through an entire season, we didn't see it. Um, so he has more of that touch. He has more of that finesse, he has more of that slipperiness. I think you could see the offense, you know, they may not be opening up the playbook, but you could see the offense be smoother. You could see passes. Go, go better, ha- have, have better outcomes than they would have with, with Joe kind of, you know, throwing rockets in there. And so I, I think that is a very real possibility. Uh, and so hopefully that happens, but I, you know, Iowa's defense is, is very, very solid top, top five in all of college football. Really good. Now <laughs> we, we can move to the defense here off, off of Nico talk. uh. Their offense, Iowa's offense, is very literally the worst in all of college football, 240 yards a game. To put that into perspective, I I was just looking at it. I think the, the second worst, they are the worst. The second worst was like 260 yards a game. So the second worst is 20 yards per game better than Iowa's offense. Insane. Insanely bad. Their scoring offense fourth worst in all of college football. 16.6 points per game. Tennessee averaged like 32 this year. Uh, with, with Joe, with the kind of stunted version of the offense that it had to play the season without those receivers, with Joe, a quarterback, thir- like 32-ish points a game. I think it was something like that. They're scoring 16.6. Um, you're winning, yeah, in my personal opinion, you're winning this game with <laughs> 17 points. I and not. And that's not just to say that's, Oh, well they're going to only score their average. I think I was probably only going to score like 10 points. They're probably not going to score 16. I like when I just look ten, Tennessee's defense, your defensive line is essentially going to be your defensive line from the season. That's your strength on your defense, your secondary. And there have been questions about this. I think multiple questions in the comments here. Your secondary for Tennessee. Yeah. The, the offense for iowa is absolutely just completely atrocious i mean where where they even sit with passing on (laughs) offense let's see fourth worst fourth worst passing offense 123 yards a game um how many let's see is that nine nine passing touchdowns all season long so they're not exactly gonna throw all over you could be a good day to get those young dbs a shot kind of like with nico it kind of feels like this game's a nice a nice entrance into college football. Ricky Gibson, he needs these reps. And maybe Iowa's a good team to start against because it's not like they're they're gonna throw all over them. Uh it's I I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. Obviously how Nico fares, but how how well can Tennessee's defense shut down this offense? Because it seems like you should maybe be ashamed if Iowa scores like 14 points on you.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, if you give up more than 14 points in this game, that's a colossal failure by a lot of people. And it does start at the defensive line. I mean, that's if they can get some pressure, and that's going to be tough against, you know, an Iowa offensive line. I'm sure half of those dudes will be in the NFL, you know, right guard for the Patriots or something in a couple of years. They're not going to try to keep up with Tennessee. They don't want this game to be a shootout. They're not going to change who they are. That's just not in Kirk, Ferentz's DNA. I mean, he is who he is, and, and they're hiring a new offensive coordinator. They don't want to change anything about the offense. I think it's just pressure to to not have his son as the offensive coordinator is, is one of the reasons, and I think he has had some some other stuff off the field, whatever they're going to always be this way under him. So this isn't going to be a game where they're like, "Oh, we're going to target Tennessee's young cornerbacks and and try to, you know, create some explosive plays in the past game." That's just not who they want to be. They want to bleed as much clock as possible. So that, you know, even when their offense operates well, they're not going to score more than 20 some points because there's just not enough time for them to score that many points as long as it takes them to score. So it's really you know it, it gets to where it's, it's these limited possessions and yeah your defense has to try to stay off the field mainly to get your offense back on the field i mean cuz you, you know that's that's where you're going to do your damage so yeah you're trying to stop them from scoring but mainly you're just trying to get the ball back for your offense
1: absolutely uh you you got to maximize uh every every opportunity if you're if you're the offense Obviously, because even against this horrid Iowa offense, your defense will get worn down. If they have to be on the field for, you know, 80 plays, they're going to, will Iowa even run 80 plays a game? I don't know. But if they have to be on the field for a crazy amount of time, it's, that's not good. That's not going to happen. Uh, or it's not going to turn out well for, for Tennessee. So,
0: Comments. It's, yeah, it's gonna wear us down like Lou Man is.
1: <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's exactly Lou Man, your your comments aren't aren't blocked. I mean I, <laughs> I see a lot of them just a, a lot of them you just like you're like harassing Tennessee fans uh and yeah. a lot of them. So I <laughs> I mean I don't know what you want me to do, Lou, Man. We Stop being a bandy fan. There's your solution. <laughs> yeah, he said he said he hit the dislike button. Listen here, Lou Man. What, it's, what am I supposed to do anywho go listen to a vandy show but uh yeah you'll you'll get worn down and even even against this garbage dump offense that's gonna happen and so
0: look Tennessee I, yeah. was in a game like that earlier this year against you know am hopefully that experience helps them but that game is very much kind of what I'm expecting in this game and, and maybe we're wrong maybe Nico goes and balls out and the Tennessee speed and wide splits, something that Iowa doesn't see a lot of, maybe all that is just too much for them to overcome And Tennessee roles in this thing. They do have a history of playing pretty well against big 10 teams outside of that Purdue game a couple of years ago that they should have, they did win. You know, we all kind of know that, but otherwise, you know, they've beat Iowa before they beat Northwestern, they beat Indiana. They, they usually play pretty well in these bowl games against big 10 defenses. <sighs>
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird. And even in like that Purdue have, game,
0: they the D offense was fine in that Purdue Oh, game. yeah. You scored like a million points in that game. But I
1: it is weird. Like I just have this odd feeling, and it obviously comes from the past Iowa game, the Northwestern game from a few years ago, all of those where I just go like, I kind of feel like Tennessee's just gonna win this by like 20. Like that's it might be 20 to zero, and they only score 20 points. But like I just feel like that's kind of a distinct possibility. Maybe I'm wrong, and this defense really is the the full blown real deal. But when the rubbers met the road for this Iowa team, they've gotten their doors blown off. Mm-hmm. By, you know, Penn State completely uncompetitive. Michigan completely uncompetitive. And Michigan's offense—they played well against Michigan's offense. Defense did, but I mean, it's not like Michigan's offense is some crazy world beater. They win with defense. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I. Maybe I'm getting out over my skis there, but I I think this is an exciting opportunity for absolutely everybody because you have in that set of DBs like as I already mentioned Ricky Gibson you're gonna and there were, there were some good media clips from him today but you're still gonna have uh, Jalen McCullough back there maybe is is Gabe Jody Lolly gonna play like I who's think so. I think he's playing okay. he's not, I don't
0: think he's not expected back next season probably go pro uh, yeah. but he, I think he is playing in this game.
1: And uh, who let's see, Andre Turrentine is a, where do you come from? Ohio State. Um, and you got some of those other other young guys that are going to be in that, that set of DBs,
0: Jordan Thomas, um, John Slaughter, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah Will, Will Brooks, who played in that Vandy game, um, there's a walk on, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's to me. This is all sort of the best setup possible kind of somebody, somebody said it here. <laughs> yeah. Rex said, did we really lose a whole secondary when there wasn't really a secondary to begin with? Not trying to be disrespectful, but seriously, I didn't know we had a secondary. We, we kind of said that when all those dudes started transferring out or, and it, it kind of feels that way with Joe Milton opting out of this game where you went like, eh, maybe it's good that this is kind of being forced on forced on everybody because, a lot of people said all season long, we were like, these young guys can't be better than this in your defensive backfield. Like, really? They can't play up to even this level? You know, after you lost Kamal Haddon and they always defaulted to these senior guys, and you were just like, really? None of these young dudes can play up to this level? Like, up to this bad level? And so now it's being forced on everybody. Nico. Is going to be in the spotlight at quarterback. These young dudes are going to be in at, at DB with with the guidance of Jalen McCullough, who's been around for, you know, 45 years at Tennessee. Um, I I think it's it's a good it's a good setup and it's a good barometer because Lord knows Iowa's offense is not gonna exactly put up a big time fight. Um, at least they shouldn't. Again, if they do, maybe we need to have a talk with Tim Banks, but um it's yeah, it's a good opportunity all the way around. But anything else uh, before we get to the the final the the preview of the game, Zach?
0: No, I mean just hopefully these young linebackers can can stop the run. You're going to have some youth out there too at the linebacker position. It's the kind of the one thing we that's didn't true. talk about there. So that, that's that's bid for their development as well, especially playing just kind of a run first downhill team between the tackles that just wants to, you know. They, they want to go out there and, and block you, and you got to get off those blocks, and that's kind of what it's going to come down to. They're going to execute because that's what Iowa does. Can you out-athlete them? Can you get off blocks? Uh, that, that's how you win this game on defense. I,
1: I think it's possible. But let's, uh, let's talk about – well, this <laughs> final good comment here as we go. Chris says, there's going to be some questions if these young guys – ball out. That's there's
0: no questions. We know that they don't play young guys like they should in the secondary. Yeah. Martinez yeah. and Tim Banks. I mean
1: it's been that way for all three years now.
0: Yeah. It's not it's clearly not changing. Uh you know, that's something that maybe Josh Hype will eventually it's like, hey, you know, what are we doing here? We're letting guys just languish on the bench and and then as a transfer portal NIL deals, you keep on doing that and you're not gonna keep these young guys around because they're gonna see the writing on the wall because it is Tim Bates' reputation, we'll go somewhere else where we can play as freshmen and sophomores. Yeah, well. (laughs) Hopefully they do all play. There's true freshman cornerbacks out there that play and play a lot. I mean, it's not just unheard of anymore. Uh, It used to be, but they can come in and make an impact, especially as early as they enroll now, when they're almost in the program for an entire year because they show up at bowl game practices.
1: Yeah, these dudes should be – I don't want to say 100% ready, but they should be prepared. You know, they've been around long enough at at this point, even if they they weren't early in last year. They've still been around for a minute here, almost a year. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they play. Now let's talk about it. How this game really might go. We'll give our predictions of this. We're going to give our predictions for the, the playoff too, uh, as much as it kind of pisses me off that we have to talk about the fact that Alabama's in the playoff when they didn't deserve it. But, Um, yeah, let's cover that right after I tell you about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ, or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is FBHP.com, slash ATOZ, Farm Bureau, Health Plans. Big shout-out to them. Now, uh, for this game, Iowa, offense, bad. Defense, good. Tennessee, offense, not totally sure. With Nico, uh, but was mediocre kind of this entire season. Defense bad, <laughs> def- well, defense not bad. Defensive line good, defensive backs kind of like with Nico. We'll see, um, <laughs> potentially bad, potentially decent. Uh, so it, it's an interesting matchup. Obviously now, I think a lot, a lot more people are excited about this game now. With Nico playing, how we've been touching on it already, Zach. But how do you s- see this game? going.
0: I mean, I, I think I was going to accomplish a lot of what they want to accomplish. I think Tennessee might stop them a few times, and get some three and outs, uh, but they're just, they're going to hold on to that ball for quite a bit and really limit possessions. I, I still think Tennessee will fare decently well against the Iowa uh, defense, just because what we talked about earlier, those five yard plays are going to be there as long as you execute. Now it's on some of these young guys, they're so out there and blocked on the perimeter. It's on, uh, you know, Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb to really do their job in those situations. It's on Squirrel, probably. He's going to be catching a lot of these on the perimeter. You know, can he make somebody miss and turn, you know, a five-yard gain into ten and and really kind of get you down the field? Uh, are they able to run the ball? I think I think they'll be able to run the ball better than most teams have been able to against Iowa because of their safeties it's going to be really tough to, to break off some of those like Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, 80 yard runs that we've seen in the past because they they're the, those safeties playing in that kind of deep quarters coverage, especially when they play against the run, they know they're the last line of defense and they're, they're not going to provide an opening for some of those long run plays, but can you run between the tackles or, uh, and pick up some chunk yardage, with everything spread out the way it is, I think they will be able to decently. So I think they'll move the ball. Can they get in the end zone? You know, in the red zone, that's been a problem at times this season. Are they settling for field goals? How big are the tight ends in this game? Because I do think the tight ends are, are one area where you can kind of exploit some of Iowa's defense there and in, in the seams when the safeties are kind of in conflict on some of those RPOs. Uh, you know, I, I think there'll be a mix of success in the Red zone, and you know, some settling for field goals or maybe going for it, and not getting it. So, I, I think Tennessee, though, will be able to score enough points to outscore and the Iowa offense. The most points that
1: Iowa scored in a game this season was 41 against Western Michigan. The next week, they played Penn State and scored zero. They uh, and, did score. And, two.
0: Oddly wow. enough, Western Michigan is the only that's the team that had the twenty plus yard run against Iowa. It was it was Western <laughs> Michigan. It's the only one. This Irony of the And it was really because the linebacker didn't do his job and the safety's been on the RPO and and that's kind of what happened there. And it still wasn't a fifty yard touchdown. It was a twenty, you know, twenty some yard run. Again, they're very
1: fundamentally sound on on defense. They're not gonna allow a lot there. But uh the very next week after that Western Michigan game. 31 to 0 they lost to to Penn State. Um Purdue only scored 14, Wisconsin only scored 6. Minnesota beat them 12 to 10. That is a score of a football game if I've ever seen one there. <laughs> Iowa beat Northwestern 10 to 7. Um just if you want to know the the nature of some of these 22 to 0 against Rutgers. Oh boy, 15 to 13 against Illinois. God, this is the most Big 10 Oh God, that's horrendous! They that's, didn't I mean, play I, Ohio State.
0: I do think it'll be you know low scoring. I, I don't think, honestly, I could see a scenario where Tennessee wins and they only score two touchdowns and and maybe two field goals, and it's like a a twenty to seven, twenty to six, twenty to ten, something like that. I mean, it. It's hard for me to see anything but that, to be honest.
1: But here's here's the interesting part to me. Is a couple of things can. Can Iowa handle the general speed of Tennessee? Tennessee against, like, a Georgia, you know, we've talked about, oh, well, we look slow out there. But I feel like relative to an Iowa, Tennessee is going to look like they're running at a million miles an hour in this game. And and I'm not just talking, like, the speed of the offense and the general tempo, like, the actual athleticism of maybe Dylan Sampson, of Squirrel White, And, and on, on defense, can they handle the aggression of, uh, of a James Pierce, something like that. Um, and, and how, how does the, how do those matchups play out? Well, we, we actually have an Iowa fan here. This is good. I, this is what I always want in these and they never, he, he says UT won't get 300 yards of offense in this game. Iowa's defense is a different animal. So that's what I really want want to suss out is it really a different animal because I look at it and when Iowa played teams with a pulse they got their doors blown off so I'm not exactly just like full-blown convinced that Iowa was just gonna put the clamps on Tennessee oh it's over Penn State's offense this year was not amazing and they scored 31 on Iowa no it was at Penn State and yeah, it's a really tough place to play and. I, you know they had the the vaunted Drew Aller at quarterback, who we all heard about all season long, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I just I look at that and I look at the Michigan game. Those were the two, you know, classic, classic Big Ten. Oh well, you only played like one good game all season long. That's every decent Big Ten. You know, they play like one good game all year, and the one or two good games you played, they got destroyed. So I don't, I don't know. I remember having this conversation because I was I was on the radio back in uh, the first time when they played Iowa and we kind of had these similar discussions where it was like you know Iowa's ranked higher and they've won more games than Tennessee, but it just kind of feels like Tennessee's gonna win by like 10. Like it and then ultimately Tennessee won by like 40 in that game, if I'm thinking right. But I, I just I have a similar feeling here. Like it's just never a great matchup for the Big Ten. Against the SEC, it just, and, you know, anomalies happen all the time in, in college football, but Tennessee, even with Nico starting and the the outlier that that was, the line went from Tennessee as a nine-point favorite, eight-and-a-half-point favorite, down to six, something like that. So Tennessee's still favored. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm off base there. Am I being, am I looking through orange-colored glasses, Zach?
0: I think a lot of it is just the whole, to use like a, a butch term, it, it's complementary football really is what Iowa does. So it's not just the defense. It's the way the offense plays. It's the fact that they're so fundamentally sound and they're so determined to not give up these big plays. That's why I think that's the one area where Nico could maybe get into some trouble, especially on some of these zone blitz looks. If, if he tries to throw over the middle of the field on some of these intermediate routes, I think Iowa uh, that they, they could do some damage there. They love to keep their eyes on the quarterback. So if you're throwing kind of those intermediate routes, they're, you know, they have a they they have a tendency to kind of sneak up on quarterbacks. If they can break something over the top, you know, I think I think Nico can throw down field without much fear as long as he doesn't underthrow. If he does underthrow, the Iowa DBs do look for the ball. They're not going to be one of these that they're just trying to you know keep their head forward and block the pass. They will look for the ball. They will intercept it. So as long as you don't under throw it, you should be okay. But if you can throw it down the field and get it out there, you'll have a chance to hit on some of these plays. It's just trying to get some of those Iowa defenders in conflict and trying to create some of these mismatches. I mean, if you can get a store white in the slot on one of their safeties – You know, you got a chance to hit on a big play then, but it's you know, it's it's everything's kind of got to go right uh, for for that to happen against Iowa, just because of how fundamentally sound their technique is.
1: It is, but I I look back like that Penn State game; they gave up two hundred and fifteen yards rushing to Penn State, and they gave up one hundred and eighty-two yards through the air and four touchdowns to Drew Aller again, the vaunted Drew Aller. Who, you know, wasn't exactly a standout all season. Um, so I, I'm probably looking through orange colored glasses. Clearly, this Iowa fan in, in the comments thinks so. He's he's having a good laugh over the fact that CJ Bethard was the quarterback of that game, but it just feels similar. It just does. I I don't I don't know. I was there back then, I'm here now it's a similar feeling and I I'm not sure exactly how to shake it um but (laughs) that's it just is what it is maybe maybe we're dumb and this guy can come brag during the post game to me and Jonathan Crompton I I don't know um just just for his reference we'll be back uh halftime post game of the bowl game myself Jonathan Crompton Uh, former Vols quarterback, Uh, and so this for Tennessee fans or the Iowa fans that want to tune in. Tune in, and and we'll be talking about the game no matter what happens, win, lose, rain, shine. Uh, We'll be on there at halftime post game here on the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. Tune in to watch that. Um, But I, I just have that feeling. So let's predict this game. But let's not only predict this game. Let's also predict uh the college football playoff uh here, here to end things off, and then we'll we'll reconvene after the new year and after this game happens, Zach. Uh and and yeah, we'll we'll get right to it here with these predictions right after. As always, I tell you about rattle and snap Tennessee whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory like the one that the balls will have in the Citrus Bowl. Then a great whiskey, and I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey, Log Distillery, it has a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap. It's a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four year and an eight year version, and uh, we've had both on the show, shown both on this show. Obviously, I've had uh, whole bottles of both in across many sittings, not in one sitting either of those, but uh, still great, great bottles of whiskey. Uh, they go great in cocktails. And also, they're uh, they're awesome just to drink neat in a glass. You can find Rattle and Snap in stores across the state of Tennessee, but they're also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run! Don't walk to get Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Again, get it before the Citrus Bowl. You're going to need it uh, after Tennessee wins this one. Follow them on Instagram, at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Huge shout-out to Rattle and Snap. They are uh, the best whiskey around. Been with the show for a long time at this point. Um, I'll throw it to you, Zach. We've we fleshed it out. It's gonna be a hard-fought, probably low-scoring game. How how are you feeling? What's your prediction?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think Tennessee wins this game. I think it's kind of like the way I described it. Not a lot of points, but I think they they're, they're going to outscore Iowa. They'll have to kick a few field goals in the red zone. They'll stall out some drives. I, I think Tennessee wins. Like I said, twenty to seven. That's what I would have.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. Um I'm probably going to be pretty pretty similar. I'll I'll say ten- Tennessee finds a way to get to 24. I I just I just like the the outlier of Nico. Do I think that Nico is going to pop off and have an otherworldly game? I I don't. But to your earlier point, I think this just sets up well where he can play play the hits as I said you know lots of screen passes be his slippery self making something out of nothing and and hand the ball off to the incredibly dynamic Dylan Sampson and I think Tennessee is it's gonna have a nice little game here and you know it's probably gonna just be 300-ish yards of total offense I I would guess but it's enough and I'll say yeah, Chris says 24-10 in the comments here. I'm probably something like that. I'll say 24-13. I'll give Iowa three more points. We're we're on the edge of needing to have a conversation uh, about the defense, but <laughs> they hold them to 13. I'm, I'm a little more optimistic about Iowa's offense. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say 20, 24-13. in relative to Iowa's season, an extremely high-scoring game. That would just... <laughs> You know, blast through that over. What what even I wonder what the over under is in this game? Uh 32. I don't know. It's it's gotta be something like that. Uh let me find here. <laughs> oh, I don't I don't have it just up in front of me. Dang it. Oh I gotta put in a verification code. Crap. Well, whatever it is, I'm sure it's low. Um we had uh we had some earlier. Predictions, man. They were way up here. Chris said 24 10. Daryl says Tennessee by 50. <laughs> Billy Bob says 24 9. 24 is, is kind of that magic number, it seems like, for, for Tennessee predictions. Um,
0: 36.5 is the uh, over under I see here.
1: 36 and a half. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what? 20, 24 13, you would be just, just
0: squeaking it out. <laughs> You're betting the over? over or I'm on the under here.
1: <laughs> yeah, just barely. Um, so I'm, I don't know. I'm just optimistic. Obviously with Nico looking through big time orange colored glasses, because I want that kid to have a huge game. It would be so fun if he has an amazing game. So, so, so fun. Do it on the ground, do it through the air. I don't care how you got to do it. I just hope that he has some, some magic moments in this one. Makes a couple of incredible passes. Does something where we go like oh man like this is our guy i i just want some moments like that really really badly because yeah things go off the rails it's going to be it's going to be a different off season. <laughs> so huh now with that said let's just predict this alabama plays michigan i believe isn't it it is the, the first game. The game it's the game after tennessee's game i think
0: um, it's the uh, four uh, four o'clock four something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I want
1: to say they're they're like in succession. Like t- Tennessee's game happens, and Alabama, Michigan comes the day. I think I have to confirm that. But um, <sighs> will the damn Crimson Tide and the Little Demon will they be playing for another national championship sack?
0: I think they will be. I think Nick Saban <sighs> has you know his whole thing is. Taking it personal, making it personal, and I think he has the last couple of years losing to Georgia. Everybody talking about the, you know, the decline of the Alabama dynasty and all this. It, it's it's kind of like one of those last Super Bowls that the Patriots won, where it just felt like, yeah, we're still here. You know, this is almost over. Everybody knows it's almost over. saving can't coach forever, but we're not done quite yet. I, I just have that feeling. I think there's a ton of distractions at Michigan. Harbaugh, this contract—is he going to the NFL? Is he not? The sign stealing stuff, which is kind of coming back up again—you know, with some of the comments this week from Alabama players—or they're kind of I think that's some gamesmanship too, which, which I get. Uh, Alabama's playing their best football of the year, I think. Uh, even though I don't think they should have been in the playoff, I do think they were probably one of the best four teams in the country at this time, and I think they'll—they'll be Michigan. I don't really know the score. I mean. I don't know, like 34 to no, I don't know, 31, 31 to 20. They, they, they managed to store some on Michigan.
1: Michigan's a powerful team. I, I said they would beat Ohio State and they did. Um, and I, I was kind of saying all season, probably the, the funniest part of that entire whole sign stealing thing was that even without the sign stealing, Michigan's a good football team. <laughs> like they really are. Um, their offense is meh. Their defense is absolutely elite. Um, I'll i I'll say, obviously I'm being hopeful, but I'll speak it into existence. I'll say Michigan wins. They are the favorite at the moment, two point favorite as of right now. Um, I mean it's in the Rose Bowl, it's in California. It's not like there's any kind of like, oh, it's in Florida, way closer to Alabama. You know, nothing like, like that. And they New just
0: New That would it's it's almost yeah. surprising it's not in New Orleans exactly
1: um and thankfully the the text Tex Washington is the sugar bowl there um but uh yeah so there's really no no advantage there I'll say Michigan Michigan pulls it out I uh, 20 21 17 what'd you say
0: I said 3120
1: I'll Alabama. say 2117 I say it's, it's real low scoring because I I mean they it's so crazy that Alabama beat Georgia, but when you really break it down, like Alabama nearly lost to a dump Auburn team yeah
0: and well that game is always weird though like it, it is, is always just it was strange. at auburn
1: i I mean I just I just look and like Jalen Milroe hey he beat somehow beat Georgia, but I mean he's not like the dude. He's talented. He's definitely talented. He's very fast. But still, I just think against that, that Michigan defense, they bring the heat. And the, the main thing is Michigan has to find a fine way to score. And I don't know if that's going to happen. But hope hopefully they can just run. Blake Corum, give that man the football, win that football game. So I'll say that. And then Texas-Washington, to me, the one that I won't watch with seething anger um, it'll be a little more fun, but it is the late game. Eight forty-five. That one'll that one'll probably wrap up around two AM. Um but uh who who's playing for the national championship? Will Texas truly be back finally? All
0: right. This is uh I'm I just hope Washington wins because of all these final four teams. I think most Tennessee fans are pulling for Washington. You should be. Same. If they win the national championship, that's the team that has the least impact on Tennessee. Uh or really anybody. You, know, you don't want Texas, another SEC team, soon-to-be SEC team, coming into the conference, you know, holding their trophy. Uh, Michigan, like, just go away. I, I, they're just obnoxious and kind of annoying at this point with, with Jim Harbaugh. And, and I don't know. I just don't even like – nothing against Michigan. I'm just kind of tired of hearing about them. So, I hope Washington beats Texas. I do think the off- – offensively, I mean, it's a great offense – it's gonna be hard for Texas to stop. I'm Texas is a weird team anyway. I'm not, you know, they beat Alabama when Alabama wasn't as good as they are now. They lost to Oklahoma, who was I don't think as good as their record indicated. I'm not totally sold on Texas. I think they're favored in this game, but I'm just not they'll have a little home field advantage with the game being in New Orleans. But I I think Washington can outscore them. That has the potential to be. Kind of high scoring, I guess, but I'll still go like Washington 38, Texas 28. Texas is a
1: four-point favorite. It's in New Orleans, so I think there's definitely going to be a Texas tilt in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was probably going to be the case anyway just because of the, yeah. you know, the large size of that fan base. Um, man... I'll say the Washington wins because of that offense. Texas has been flirting with stupid losses all season. They nearly lost to TCU and some different, you know. I'll say that they finally get got there and and Michael Penix plays for a national title, which that would just be really fun. They they get get rewarded for having such a powerful offense. Uh Roma Dunzi, uh, I I would love to see that kid's a killer. Um, I I I want to see Washington go all the way. I really like their coach um so I'll, yeah let's go with that and obviously i am being hopeful michigan washington i'll say michigan wins a national championship i don't we can't escape it it's not going to be that easy it's Just one of these teams that we don't want to win is gonna win i
0: think yeah but, if, it play, uh, if it plays out like like i think i would probably say alabama wins and maybe that's just me hoping for some reverse karma there for alabama's sake never never bet against saban yeah, but that's the thing. I just feel like it sets up for this like revenge tour for him. But did he
1: did he spend up the magic against Georgia though? That's that's kind of what I, I don't think. Know, maybe like, it's bad
0: karma. Maybe they get there and they lose to Washington, and it's bad karma for you know taking Florida State's spot. You know, maybe I don't
1: yeah, know. that would be nice.
0: I'm doing my part. I'm putting it in the universe. Doing all yeah, I don't, can. Please,
1: I I will say this. Please, Michigan. Please, for America really for the SEC, because I feel like America doesn't really care. For the SEC, please. Yeah. Not for Florida State. I don't really care about Florida State ultimately. Uh, but just ugh, no more Alabama. Go away. Shouldn't be there anyway. And says, what's up? What's up, my man? Evan, longtime listener. Thank you, sir, for tuning in. This has been a good show. That is the show. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody uh, for watching. Evan, Darrell samuel uh billy bob chris even the the hawkeye hawkeye five the the iowa fan that tune in general nealon uh who else we got wrecked jeff uh, charles jason thank you thank you thank you to everybody who watches every single week tune in myself jonathan crompton halftime post game uh wanted to have crompton on here before the game but i just like my schedule didn't work out it's been kind of frustrating but um so i'll just advertise it here tune in to the uh the halftime post game show with me and crump and we will be discussing the iowa game and hopefully nico will lead the balls of victory good good times uh anything else before we bounce out of here,
0: zach no i think that i think that does it hopefully everyone has a uh, fun and, and safe new years uh coming up yeah, here
1: don't don't go too crazy because the bowl game is uh the next day obviously um it can be be amateur
0: night out there be careful
1: yes (laughs) yeah for sure um it's always a little dicey on new year's always fun but but be careful we want everybody back here hanging out with us every week so charlie burris zach reagan thanks again for watching listening however you take in the show we appreciate it every single time and we will talk to y'all next week
0: see you guys later